podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ready to go the extra mile in a Volvo Mild Hybrid SUV this summer? No plug-in required. Whether you go to the mountains this summer, the ocean, or somewhere in between, Volvo Mild Hybrid technology adds to a more refined driving experience so you can summer safely. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Wee. Pod 443. And uh, it's a win. Palace beat Leeds 2 1. We'll be discussing that game, of course, and answering your questions and doing all the usual jazz with star of BBC's match of the day, too. Grace Matheson has joined us. Grace, your fee has gone up, I think, now. Hello, thank you. Yes, I'm expecting to get the call that I'll be replacing Gary Lineker any day now. Yeah, it's bound to happen. It's, it's the only way is up. The only only up uh, well done. It was an excellent, excellent appearance uh, alongside Joe Walker, of course, uh, on Match Day 2. If you haven't watched it yet, do go on to iPlayer and check it out. Grace is brilliant. Joe is brilliant. And it's a very nice little feature. Very timely as well. Talking about being positive about Palace. And of course, they go on to win 2-1. So lovely stuff all round. A man who's always positive about Palace, of course. Uh, Jack Pierce is also here. Jack, how are you? A fee? There's uh, <laughs> suggestions of a fee? Uh, what? Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll, the lawyers will be in discussion with, with you afterwards. Uh, your, 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 your termination letter will be in the post. Thank you. I was going to say, is, this is going to only bring an end to this lovely relationship. Hello, JD. Yes, lovely to be on to talk about a win. So thanks again for having me on. Uh, lovely to have you on. And yes, a big win uh, for Palace. Uh, before we get on to that, let's do a drum roll for a random patron. It's Denise Tudor. Hey, Denise. Denise. Hello, Denise. Thanks very much for joining the patron. Uh, and you can join Denise in the patron gang and get all sorts of rewards like post-match hey. podcast, patron-only merchandise, and access to the patron-only Discord club at patreon.com slash FYP podcast. Uh, also, this week, we're delighted to be sponsored once again by our friends at Eternity Home Finance. Uh, they're a family-run palace-supporting mortgage advisors they're currently helping their customers keep their mortgages as cheap as possible in light of rising interest rates so for a free consultation email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code fyp great to have those guys on board as ever um let's come on to well grace i've got two things i want to talk about in part one in relation to the game the first is a positive the second is a negative where do you want to start oh let's go with the positive okay we've won so let's enjoy it fair enough fair enough uh the positive is every as a scoring a goal i don't think there's a player at palace that people are so desperate to do well and that people enjoy doing well and scoring as much as as a first goal in front of a crowd at selhurst you could see how much it meant to him what a goal it was as well what were your feelings when that went in Relief and joy, joy mostly for him, like you said, his first goal at home in front of fans, which I didn't twig until after the game, but probably should have realised from from his celebration. And you could just see that massive grin on his face, even from the other side of the Arthur where I was sat. Um, and it was nice that all his hard work um, has finally got, got the reward that he's been wanting um, to sort of back up the performances he's been putting in because we know he's been capable of it and for whatever reason they've just not come quite in the way he probably would have hoped. Um, and no, it was it was a really lovely moment and you could you could see how much it meant to him and such a well taken goal and that assist from Wilf was brilliant. Um, so yeah, just good all round. It was a well taken goal, Jack, wasn't it? It was a really lovely little drop of the shoulder um, hit and then. So I think it only takes two touches, doesn't it? I think first touch to go around the defender and then hits it early. And I was thinking about this um, earlier, actually, that there's um, there's a lot of players, potentially one of our strikers, who in that situation might take an extra touch, but it needed to be hit 
early at the time. So I just, yeah, it was a very confident strike from a man that hasn't scored many goals. We hope scores more. But it was a lovely, lovely move, lovely finish. Just a lovely moment for him as well. Great goal. Hadn't really realised how good a team move it was. The, the the finish from Ebbs was brilliant. The drop of the shoulder um, and the, the connection. I think it says it all that Melier just stood still and, and was beaten before the ball even left Ebbs' feet. So um, really good goal. Uh, capped off a lovely move. Edouard does really well to bring it down. Mitchell's very sharp passing to Wilf. And, and Wilf, who... I didn't didn't impact the game as much as he probably would have hoped on Sunday, but has that moment of genius to to give the ball to Eze in, in space with the Leeds defenders on the wrong foot. Um, and then Ebbs does that lovely drop of the shoulder. He, he does that better than most players in the league. His ability to glide past the player about actually moving the ball is is great. And he left Liam Cooper on the floor in a heap and it's a great finish. And, and yeah, that's great, sis. The, the celebration says it all. Um, such relief for him. You know, there's, there's a guy who's suffered... Uh, a terrible injury it's taken time to get back to where he wants to be and, and now he is where he wants to be and and where he deserves to be after his long journey from you know being a teenager being released by multiple clubs he's now you know scoring goals like that in the Premier League and I, I didn't think he had a, a particularly great game on Sunday but the the ability to to change the game and, and ultimately win the game with for me the the only moment of quality in the game only mo- true moment of wow that that's Premier League stand I know Aronson's run for the goal was was good and, and there were a few other individual moments, but to, to kind of cap the moment with the with the goal and um for for Ebbs to do that in front of the, the homestells, it was a great moment. Yeah, it really, really was. And we've had a question here from Vintage 805 Scoots. Hey Vintage. I'm guessing that's a scooter business of some sort. Um, hope so. Let's let's hope so. Uh Said, uh, could have ended up a frustrating 90 minutes. Glad we turned it around and glad to see Eze get the goal. Let's hope there's many more from him. Uh, we don't see him popping up in that position maybe as much as he should do, Grace, or maybe as much as we'd like to from that kind of number eight central position. Does it feel like, because he, he's had a decent run in the team now in that number eight uh, this season, does it feel like we're maybe hopefully on the cusp of seeing a bit more from Eze, a bit more of those goals, a bit more of those late runs into the box, maybe a bit more of the Eze that we saw in that first season before that injury? Yeah, so hopefully he's a bit more settled into that position. And as the team around him, <coughs> excuse me, sort of settles and finds its its best way of working um, if we don't get any more injuries that seem to keep popping up so that it's a bit more settled and so that everyone knows their role, which then allows the freedom for Eze to do the things that he was doing on Sunday in, in sort of tandem with anyone with everyone else, leaving the team balanced to, to go forward in that way. So hopefully this is the start of, of sort of a positive, positive move forward for him and, and the team as a whole. Yeah, I do want to talk about uh, sort of midfield in general. I'm going to save it for part three because I had a few questions about it, about that sort of balance in the midfield. Because it was a very attacking formation, Jack, wasn't it? With Decore basically doing all the midfield work uh, and the five in front of him allowed to kind of roam, which I guess is part of the system that allows someone like Eze to be able to get in the box and sort of buzz around the edge and, and pick up the pieces like it did for the goal. But we'll come on to the wider sort of uh, system of midfield later on. More important question here from uh, James Sanford. Hey, James. Hi, James and Steve Burr. Hey, Hello, Steve. Steve, who have both highlighted. Well, I'll, I'll read them both out to you. James says, Does Ebbs have blonde facial hair or is that an optical illusion? And Steve Burr says, Is Eze channeling his inner Sasser Churchage with a very faint blonde goatee? This is an important issue, Jack, we need to address. I was concerned uh, that it wasn't quite clear on Sunday myself. So I'm I'm hoping I can provide some clarity to, to our listeners. I, I think it's a, a die job. And I think it's a very brave die job as well. And that's all I'll say on it. And if I was ever each ASA, I'd do whatever I wanted to do as well. So good on him. Uh, not for me. But, I mean, I've got too much kind of grey in my beard now. So maybe I should. Maybe I should ask him what he used and, and go for that look for next week. But, yeah, I, I guess if you're going to make moves like that, you probably do need to be scoring Premier League winners. Yeah. Probably helps. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. need to be a bit of a baller and thankfully yeah. Ebbs, he is a massive baller. So yeah. I think I can't say baller. I'm 38 years old, but you, you know, what I'm, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say, uh, Jack, in that case, then let's come on to the slightly more negative part. That I want to talk to you in part one, which was, um, why does it sound like a, that sounds like a performance review. Jack, I want to talk to you about <laughs> the more negative <laughs> side of compliment, things. compliment <laughs> sandwich. Yeah. I'll end with like, but you're always very, you always turn up to work on time. <laughs> you're always here. You're, you're always here and you make a great cup of tea. How um, do you get the zoom links? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Palace's first 45 minutes on, <laughs> on Sunday was um, 
probably one of the worst 45 minutes I think maybe we've seen recently. Really, really didn't get going. A few people have uh, obviously commented on that. Anthony Jones, 22. Uh, why, hi Anthony, why were we so awful in that first 10, 20 minutes of the game? I think that's generous, Anthony. I think it was potentially um, a bit longer than that. Um, Big Al Palace. Hello, Big Big Al. Al. Uh, That was a good recovery, but probably one of the worst opening 30 minutes of football I've seen in 40 years of following Palace. Why do we not take control from the onset? That's bold, isn't it? Uh, We deserve to win the game, but the way we started was not good for my health. Big Al uh, we yeah, look off, we look after yourself, yeah, Big Al. We hope you're looking after yourself, mate. Deep breaths, um, son. Deep breaths. But he has a point. I mean, it wasn't, it was not good viewing at all, was it? And and a part of me did at half time getting through at one hole, one all, which was um oh absolutely very much against run of play. First yeah. touch in the box for uh, Palace. Um, you, I did kind of suspect there'd be a second half uh, response, and there was. But that can we? Can we we've, had, we've had this question before. Can we ever, Jack, really put a finger on why teams start? particularly us at home so slowly like that. Well, credit to Leeds. They came out very well and in good shape and 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 used the ball well, far better than we were using the ball when we did have it. And they had a, they had the best player on the pitch. And, well, the two best players in the pitch in the, in the first half were Aronson, whose run led to the goal. And I thought Tyler Adams in their midfield was excellent as well. Perhaps the type of player that we're missing from the squad at the moment to maybe complement Czech and, and Ebbs. Um, we'll talk about the midfield in part three. I, I listened to the pod extra and, and you raised my point. I, I tweeted after about 10, 15 minutes that I felt it was the most toxic Selhurst had been under Vieira. And, and Adam's point about where does Jack sit is very fair. I mean, the Homesdale, it's very raucous in there. <clears throat> when it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's bad. I just sense there are a lot of people who I don't normally hear kind of spouting off about Vieira and the way that we'd started and giving it to, to the keeper and all sorts of... And I just thought, this isn't this is a particularly nice environment right now. And... Mm. I think the, the chance that Bamford had where he went through and should have scored, I, I don't know if that would have been pulled back for VAR. I felt he was onside at the time. But had had Bamford scored that, I sense we would have seen Selhurst go in a dark place. And and I really didn't want to, but we, we just couldn't get going. And when we did have the ball, we used it terribly. No worse than when Mark Gay launched it back at Vinny, which I think Vinny did well to control. I know he did nothing with the ball afterwards but you know there'd be a few flat-footed goalkeepers who who'd be turning around and picking out the net that was shocking from from Gay who I don't think has started the season brilliantly I don't think Mark's anywhere near where he was last year but that's a a separate point maybe but we just couldn't get going and then we needed um a a bit of ingenuity from from Jordan Ayew to win the ball back from Ian Cooper be pulled back um a bit of quality from from Michael Elise to whip it in at the speed he did and and Edouard did well to stay on side and, and glance it in but I felt very happy to be going in one one at half time. I have to say, it's funny, isn't it, Grace? Because there's so many elements and sort of fine margins. The, the ba- Jack's absolutely right. The Bamford goal goes in. <laughs> Obviously, it's Bamford. That doesn't help. And then I think it's a very, very different Selhurst and situation. Um, but it was. I, I remember getting some last season. I always come back to the Leicester game where we were two 0 down at half time. I mean, we, we played better. But I always felt like there was a sense in the crowd that like don't, we'll come back into this. What did you sense from the crowd on 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 uh, the weekend? Did it feel like uh, there was sort of more negativity in that way, or was it probably because players were playing badly? What was your kind of experience of it? I think you could sense that people knew that we needed to get something from Sunday from the offset. It felt like there was that in the air of okay, we've only won one game so far this season. Yes, we've had some tough fixtures. But also we've had the likes of the Brentford and Chelsea games where we've dropped points really late on and just the fear that we might do the same again or or drop points even earlier in the game. Um, So it did feel like there was that sort of tension in the air where we just, you were really willing it to go well from the start. And then the first, I agree, the first half in general was not great at all. But the first 20 minutes especially, we looked like a bunch of strangers that had been thrown together. And it was like, well, where, where has this all come from? I know there were a couple of changes with sort of schlup coming in at left back, etc. But not enough to have thrown it to the level that that we were seeing, um, which, like Jack said, led to the mistakes from Gay. There were a few sort of, oh God, why are you doing that moments? Yeah. Um, and I think we were probably quite lucky not to be down to 10 men in respect of Czech as well. And obviously that could have been a game-changing moment because when we tend to play teams with 10 men, they always seem to be better. But when we go down to 10 men, it never seems to have the same impact. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it really, really felt like we needed something. So to get that goal 
before half time and go in level I think was a huge sort of mental tick and to go into the dressing room knowing that okay we haven't played that well but we're still in it we're more than in it and then to come out in the second half stronger was great but yeah we can't afford to be coming out like that every single week I, I, it's interesting you say that Grace about pe- people with the sense that people wanted something from Sunday I, I got to the ground about an hour and a half before kickoff to avoid ticketing issues which uh, uh, may well feature later in the pod as well but to avoid ticketing issues and I um, I wandered down towards the Sainsbury's um, to go and get something to drink and it felt more like a fixture in March or April where there really was something riding on the game. And I, I spoke to the, the guys I was with during uh, before the game. I said, this feels like we have to get something from. This feels like the pressure has built up massively, even though it was before we played eight games, I think we've now played nine. You know, we're nowhere near in, in trouble, uh, from my perspective at least. But I, I got it. I, I started to feel it myself as if the think this Leeds team are there for the taking and if we don't take them today then we're going to be struggling from here on in and it just felt really quite tense so I think that added to the first half and the fact they didn't turn up in the first half was um, or the the first 20 minutes for for sure was a worry and I think it was exacerbated by that pre-match anxiety but yeah I I have to say I just want to kind of confine Sunday to history barring Hebs' lovely goal I'll just take in the three points from that because there, there wasn't much else to to really write home about. But a very important win, I think, as the season progresses and hopefully when we get to the end of the season, you know, in a comfortable position, we can look back at the Leeds result as a very, uh, very valuable three points, which which steered us in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, I think that is the nature of the Premier League is that every game is difficult. And so the pressure kind of is, even for a team like us, when we hope to be away from the relegation zone and obviously not struggling as much as Leicester and those teams down there, but you know every game's hard. And so the pressure kind of is on in most games. And we we, we tried really hard last week on the pod not to call it a must-win game or a must-not-lose game. But at the back of our minds, we all sort of know that they need to get something from it. So I completely understand why people felt like that. And there was that kind of um, atmosphere. And my, my concern, JD, was if we had lost the game, we'd have started to see the type of feeling and emotion that I was seeing at the start of that game. Yeah. So it was like the the feeling and the anxiety around where we were had, had kind of preempted the actual end result of that match. And it was happening kind of live as it was happening. It was very, very peculiar. And I, I certainly haven't experienced that myself with, with Vieira in the dugout. But, but I think that's a, that's a, I do think that's a, maybe an, an old school palace mentality of which I very much share, which is like, we're going to screw this up at some point. So I might as well get prepared for that now. So I'm not disappointed at the end of the game when we've lost 4-0 at home to Leeds. It's just, it's very hard to get, weird to get into the mentality of actually this is a good Palace team and they are they do bat- they can now battle back from goals down and actually win games and they are good but maybe that's more of an us problem than a than a player problem um really quickly then on the red non-red card Grace you thought that was a red then for the court or could have been I I think if he hadn't it's one of those challenges where I I saw the ref going over when it happened and thought when he didn't immediately go for his card, I thought we might be all right. And then when he called Joel Ward over, I thought, okay, he's just going to tell him this is Decoray's final, final warning, which considering he was already on a yellow is quite a maybe brave bit of refereeing, but I'm obviously pleased he went that way. I think it's one of those challenges that if he hadn't already been on a yellow, he would have got a yellow for it. But the ref, for whatever reason, didn't give it. And I I actually thought, I'm always quick to uh, have a go at the refs. I thought the ref actually didn't have a bad game on Sunday um, in that he let it flow relatively well, um, although there were some inconsistencies. But um, yeah, I think that would have obviously completely changed the game because Czech being about the only person we've got in that position as it is, <laughs> getting sent off could have been that, that early as well, could have been catastrophic, especially because they were... I think were they still one nil up at that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I think that completely changes changes the game. And, and like um, Jack said earlier about the atmosphere, I mean that would have only added to mm. to the toxic toxic nature. So um, yeah, and then I think he did well to continue as long as he did in the position he plays without then falling falling foul of of another yellow. Let's go to um, FYP referee assessor. <laughs> Jack Pierce, uh, for your thoughts on 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 who was the ref at the weekend? Who who was it? Oh, Tierney. Tierney. Oh, Tierney with his new shaved head, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. hard uh, hard nut. 
Yeah. Oh, no. what, what, what do you reckon then on, on I agree with I agree with Grace I thought he actually managed the game really well and compared to the the shit show we saw the week before with Chris Kavanaugh I actually felt the players felt a degree of comfort and respect for the referee which allows the game to to flow as any support would like a game to, to flow so I thought he did a really good job I, I thought the yellow that he was awarded in the first 15 minutes was an absolute bang on yellow and and having seen I think Don made the point in the pod extra that uh, Emerson Royale got a straight red for similar height, different angle um, tackle. It, it was a silly tackle by, by check. Um, and the second one, I didn't think necessarily it was a yellow, but as Gray says, if you've got someone that's on a yellow, you don't need them going in to make those types of tackle because if he catches the player in a slightly different way or slightly higher up the leg, then Paul Tierney probably would have been within his rights to send us, send him off for a second yellow. Um, I think getting the referee over was, was a good move. I, I think that's the right thing to do at that phase of the match. Um, and, and Joel Ward did give Czech Decore a fairly stern look to say, you know, you've, it's on you now. And the fact that he was he was subbed about what, what, 65, something like that. I think we've all said how much um, or how important a role Czech's already playing for us. So the fact that Vieira felt that he needed to take him off just kind of shows the risk that was there. So agree with Grace. It was well managed by Czech um, from the moment he was given that warning. But yeah, hopefully he avoids getting into such situations as, as the season progresses. But yes, uh, B minus for Paul Tenney. <laughs> you know, if Joel Ward's given you a stern look, you've got to rein in. Something's summing it up. So none of us want to be in an end of that stern look. Well, Jack maybe, but most of us probably <laughs> oh, don't. God, come on now. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, let, let me round off then part one by um, putting some positive spin on it uh, because PC Wires... APC says uh, on the basis that we keep throwing away leads in our games, yet both of our wins this season have come from after going behind. Should we let the opposition score first every week? Maybe it's a new tactic. Or proof. But yeah, we'll give it a go. Um, Yeah. PC wise might get fired in February when we're bottom (laughs) of the league, but yeah. Well, can I ask you, Chris Lehman from One More Point Fanzine goes more and says, given both wins to come from being goal down, should the tactic be to score an own goal straight for kickoff? I mean, the earlier the better. If we're going to go with that tactic, the earlier the better. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I, can I mean, to be honest, Mark, Mark Gay did almost try and do that. Um, so fair enough. It was, <laughs> very uh, true. Yeah, very true. He clearly got the memo from Chris. Uh, yeah, maybe Chris has been in contact with the first team. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Uh, all right, cool. Good stuff. We're going to uh, take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to pick our winners and losers. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef, or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge, for every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. Ready to go the extra mile in a Volvo Mild Hybrid SUV this summer? No plug-in required. Whether you go to the mountains this summer, the ocean, or somewhere in between, Volvo Mild Hybrid technology adds to a more refined driving experience so you can summer safely. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com. Weddings are the celebration of all the details that make a couple perfect for each other. And you can find your perfect fit, too, at Indochino. Choose every detail of a custom-tailored suit, from lapels to linings and more, starting at just $4.99. My bad. Shh. Sorry. Find the suit that's perfect for you. Go to Indochino.com and use code PODCAST for 10% off any purchase of $3.99 or more. That's 10% off $3.99 or more at INDOCHINO.com. Code PODCAST. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. 
It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Fabi Pan Podcast. Uh, sponsored this week by Eternity Home Finance. They're a family-run palace supporting mortgage advisors, helping their customers keep their mortgages as cheap as possible in light of rising interest rates. For a free consultation, email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Uh, it's winners and losers. And this is a patron-only section. So if you are listening on the patron feed, you're going to hear our winners and losers. If you're on the public feed and you want to check out who we think our winners and losers are this week and, of course, get access to the post-match pods every week, sign up at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash F-Y-P podcast. Uh, you'll now hear a little clip, a very, very small clip from the post-match pod if you're on the public feed. So we'll make that split now. The pro- the problem with what we're doing right now is that there is a bit of a lack of control in terms of, you know, that first period was pretty harem scarum today, I thought, you know, and 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 this sort of helter skelter football was hard to 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 sort of feel comfortable with or or that you had a sort of proper grip of the game. Now the manager's quite wedded to this one in front of the back four, the two eight, the six and the two eights, as they would say now, and the and the three forward players. And as Dom's mentioned there, I I think that you know, especially if we're going to Leicester next week, you are going to need to. I don't know why he's so against playing with the four-two-three-one shape and allowing sort of Eze, Elise, and Wilf in that three, and one of the forwards uh, there, and you know to 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 stiffen it up with a Luca or a Gyro or a Will Hughes. Now, I don't think he. As you say, particularly fancies all of those. I think you know Lucas' form has been not the level it, it, it you know it has been in previous seasons for a while. Uh, Will Hughes, I'm really not convinced by as a Crystal Palace player thus far because you know if you're in a midfield role or you know well actually I'll go one step further if you're even on the field. You've got to be stopping goals, creating goals or scoring goals. And I'm not sure which one of those three Will Hughes does particularly, you know, out of, out of, out of you know, in terms of what he brings to the team. I think the problem also is our games are always going to be in the balance. We don't have a sort of 20-goal-a-season striker. We, we can attack. We can't defend particularly well. So I think, you know, we're not going to attack and route teams, I don't think, with a with a with a you know, by scoring lots of goals and and the fact that we probably can't defend well enough and we're not resolute enough to see sort of clean sheets on a regular basis, um means that a lot of the games may well be like today's, where it's a bit seesaw and I think you know, there'll be lots of draws and games that sort of sit in the balance a lot. But, you know, we've got what we've got. But I, I'd, I'd certainly say to you that I'd feel slightly more secure next week at Leicester if we perhaps, you know, just stiffened up that midfield a little bit more, you know. And, it's, I, and that's a shame because I wouldn't particularly want to take any of those attacking players out of our team. But... You know, it's. I think it's probably just a little bit risky. Quite agree. I've got. I've got a question for all three of you, um, and then I'm going to go and get some more food from inside because there are leftovers apparently. Um, that um, he clearly loves this system, doesn't he? Like I know, 
It's the age-old question of like system versus personnel. Do, are you a manager that plays the best system for your team or are you the manager that plays uh, as in the best system for who you have or do you fit the players you have into the system? And he clearly loves this system. Had we bought Conor Gallagher in the summer or, or a, like, a similar sort of player, not that I can think of anyone, do you think this system would work better if he was the other number eight and we still had Decore doing all that work on his own? And yeah, that's, for, yeah. that's, that's yeah, for number two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably, I, I would agree. <clears throat> I mean, I, I think that the club's made a mistake. Really, you know, we talked about this a bit last week about not signing these other players that we needed. But I think they spent, in reality, too much time courting Conor Gallagher or hanging around in the hope that they might sign this fella rather than. And, and let's have some perspective here about Conor Gallagher. Conor Gallagher is a good player. He's a decent player. He's not a world beater. And I refuse to believe there aren't other players across Europe that we couldn't find to do a similar job for Crystal Palace. And I think that's where we've let ourselves down a little bit. Yeah, I, th- <clears throat> I think we're... We're in a situation where we're trying to make, we're, we're almost just trying to make do with as a playing in that kind of slightly defensive role, or trying to kind of be a bit more box to box when he just isn't that that just isn't what he does. Um, but then, so idea in an ideal scenario, we'd have another midfielder to go alongside Decore to do that to play that second number eight role, and then you've got players, you know, making creating opportunities for for Eze, for for Elise, for Zaha, for Edouard, all of the, that is a missing component, isn't it? That is an, an, an issue for us. And it, it shows because we have a Conor Gallagher-shaped hole in that midfield more more than any kind of, whether it's Conor Gallagher or whoever it is that, we end up, that we'd end up signing, it is a player that, that is missing in that dynamic, isn't it, Dom? Yeah, I mean, I think we need to, I've used that, that expression plenty of times in the past and uh, we probably all need to just put Conor Gallagher behind us now, to be honest. He's not going to, he's not going to be coming to Palace anytime soon. Um, I, I mean, I think it was interesting today as JD, as I think you pointed out, that Elise did naturally drift wide and we, we ended up in a situation in the second half where Jordan Ayew was in that number eight role that Conor Gallagher would have played. Um mm. In a, in a central, and he did he did well considering he probably didn't know what the what day it was. Um, I mean, it's it, it, it is a problem, but I, I it's I think it's one that the club are very are acutely aware of, and I, mm. I suspect it's one that the club will try their best to resolve in January. And if they can't do it in January, they definitely will in the summer. Um, they they need they need another option in that midfield and a first team option not a squad option and then then it becomes a you know an issue as to how you how you still get Eze and Elise into the team alongside that 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 midfielder they all showed I mean I'm not looking at the stats here for forever Ichi Eze and and actually I maybe maybe he just he just game just picked up after that opening 25 minutes and picked up dramatically because the stats look impressive the touches the interceptions the the passes, the, the take-ons, they're, they're, they're all well up there. So he's, he's clearly ended up doing a very, very good job in that number eight role, even if that number eight role was pushed up slightly further later on mm. than it had been in the beginning. But I, although thinking, listening to that Patrick Vieira quote, I wonder whether he's got Eberichi Eze and Michael Elise confused there because it didn't make a lot of sense for IU moving central and allowed Elise to push up more, more than the Nebs. Um, yeah. But anyway, look, it's it, it is what it is. We have to muddle on by. But but I completely agree with Selzy. We can't go to Leicester, even a struggling Leicester team, and ask Takure just to to shore up midfield against James Madison, Harvey Barnes, and Jamie Vardy, Patson Daka, whoever plays in that in that team, and uh, he needs some help in there. And I, and I suspect what they'll end up doing is bringing Jeffrey Schlupp in and playing him in the middle. But actually. I'd much rather see a, a Hughes or a Milovievich in there just to just to give them a bit more defensive surety in that in that pair. 
Uh, that was our winners and losers. Lovely stuff, guys. Uh, if you didn't hear that, but you want to, uh, sign up at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash F-Y-P podcast. Um, and after the break, we're going to answer some questions. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Family Plan Podcast. We uh, sponsored by Eternity Home Finance, a family-run palace-supporting mortgage advisors who are currently helping their customers keep their mortgages as cheap as possible in light of rising interest rates. For a free consultation, email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Right, we've teased this enough now. The midfield issue. Lots of questions about it. Uh, so let's crack on straight with, well, we teased the IE thing, didn't we? So Lee Ayres. Hello, hey, Lee. Lee. 
Is Ayu the box-to-box midfielder we need to support Chetakori? And could this role revitalize his career a la Joe Linton? Oh, lovely little reference there. Um, Josh Bailey. Hey, Josh. Uh, I thought when Ayu and Elise switched, our midfield looked better. And then again, when Schlupp moved back in the middle, I forgot about Schluppy, um, it looked better still. Uh, either that or Leeds lost some pressing intensity. Judging from this, who starts in midfield ahead of Decore? I'm assuming he means positionally, not literally in terms of selection, against Leicester. Surely it won't be Elise and Eze again. Grace, the, the, when Vieira goes with this one-man midfielder, five-man attacking midfielders in front of him, it does, it does sort of... Uh, raise the anxiety levels a little bit. Did Ayu do enough at the weekend to make you think he could play in there? Is Schluppy the answer? Or actually, are you a fan of this uh, Eze and Elise number eight duo? I think it depends on the opposition um, and how sort of capable they are, particularly at the back. Um, so, for example, with Leeds on Sunday, I thought for all their pressing, they didn't cope so well with our sort of balls over the top, um, which sort of lends itself a bit more to the formation that we were playing, obviously against the sort of the more, uh, the stronger teams in the league that perhaps wouldn't work. They're more alive to to the dangers of it. Um, also, if you'd have described Ayu as a box-to-box midfielder when he first joined, I'd have just laughed. <laughs> but these things sometimes develop in ways that we don't expect. Um I think he's certainly put himself in with a shout of 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 making making a stake for that for that position. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what option Vieira goes with. I do agree that we looked better when Schlupp then moved back into midfield. Although whether that was because that was him moving out of uh, left back to move up there, which uh, maybe wasn't the most confident performance we've ever seen. Um, yeah, so it'll be be interesting to see see what he goes with, particularly given Leicester's start to the season and how shaky we know they are um sort of seemingly all over the pitch yeah i do i, I do think Vieira will go attacking at the weekend he seems to like this formation and and it is the game to do that i guess maybe although i i do think leicester are better than their league position suggests maybe not in terms of form but certainly in terms of ability we have before on the podcast jack sort of teased this idea of iu in a number eight position now that we've got this very attacking formation, does it? F- and, and we're looking at his form and everything. And as Grace says, his progression from this surly number nine into this more all-rounded kind of player. Are, are the stars aligning? Is now the time? Um, my concern with Jordan Ayew, I like the idea of it. Look, my, my concern with Jordan Ayew is it going into midfield is that it will end up in the same way as my only ever effort at matchmaking two friends which went horrendously. I thought they were well-suited. Everything looked like it was going to work, and they despised each other. And I am just concerned. I'm just concerned it might be the same thing. If we start thinking it's the solution, maybe we need to see it. Maybe we need to give it a go, and we need a terrible 45 minutes, and we all go, do you remember when we thought Jordan I was the box-to-box midfielder? But maybe it will work. Maybe it's mad enough for it to work. He's certainly got the variety of skills that mean he's more versatile than just being played out on the right wing. And the, at the point made by the, the questioner there um, and, and echoed by, by Grace in terms of us looking better once Michael Lise went further right and Jordan came into the middle, definitely I, I agree with that. That, that, was, that was the same, um, same opinion that I, that I had at the time. Um, and I think Jordan probably provides a little bit more balance, a little bit more kind of defensive savviness than Michael Lise provides in that that kind of same eight role at that, that right-hand side. But... Yeah, I, I think Leicester on Sunday, you know, for, for where they are in the league, their two best players are playing in that part of the pitch, James Madison and, and Dewsbury Hall. So I think Vieira will need to be careful if he decides that Czech Decore on his own is going to be enough to kind of mitigate against a threat that side of, of Leicester's team have. Um, then it's a risk he'll have to hope Decore can kind of cover by himself. Um, I think the risk with Decore playing such a massive part by himself was demonstrated on Sunday by him going into parts of the pitch and trying to win the ball in tackles that the ball isn't there to be won. Mm-hmm. The yellow card that he did get was a, was a challenge that he should not have gone in for. There was that, It was never there to be won, but he's pressing the ball in parts of the pitch where really if he has better support in that midfield, he's probably not going. Same with the challenge that he could have got a second yellow for. So the concern is you're you're pulling Czech Decore too far, too out of his comfort zone to the point where he's making rash decisions. And I think Saturday, 
you know, albeit they're bottom of the they're bottom of the league. Did, did Forrest's point last night put them bottom? I, I think, think they're bottom. I think they are bottom again, yeah. So albeit they're bottom, but they they will still pose threats. And I and I would perhaps go with a, a slightly rejig midfield and, and maybe see maybe Elise drop out or Jordan Ayew drop out for Schlupp to play in midfield um, with Ebbs and Decore and for either Ayew or Lise to, to start wide right. But yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one. And as you guys discussed on the, the post-match pod, sorry to plug the post-match pod again for anyone that hasn't heard it. No, I will take it. Um, it. But the discussion in terms of did we wait around for Conor Gallagher for too long may well be the case. And, and we are lighting that part of the squad. Not so much the base of midfield, that 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 space of of Decore, you know, Luca and Will Hughes could come in and do a job. Their gyro if we need to. It's about those positions that we're now talking about whether Jordan Ayew could do a job there. That the fact we're having these conversations means that we all think we're a little bit light in that part of the squad. Yeah, yeah, completely, completely, it completely uh, shines a light on the fact that that yeah. we haven't quite haven't quite found that 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 um, that sort of uh, magic formation yet. Um, I I would like to hear more about these friends you set up. Did, what what? Where did they go? Maybe it was location. No, it was just, just a pub. I, I don't know. University days. I was a young romantic. I thought everyone just fell in love, but those two just did not fall in love. Was that it an was, instant hating? Was it an instant? Just absolutely rubbed each other up the wrong way. Oh dear! Never Didn't mind. rub each other up in the right way. <laughs> Terrible. Awful. Sorry. I now wish I hadn't asked. I know. Sorry, Lister. Sorry, Lister. Sorry, I hadn't, I hadn't asked them. Um, they are asking. Decore, sorry, not your friends. I mean, Patrick Vera and his coaching staff are asking Decore to do to do so much work in there. And as Dom said in the post-match pod, and I've done it again as well, asking to basically sort of be N'Golo Kante. And he's a wonderful player, but he's not quite in Kante levels. Maybe not, uh, maybe not yet. Um, yeah, so it does it does feel like there is still some work in that middle to to work out the best sort of balance. Uh, but I'm not against, are you being given a go there? I mean... There had to be moments that Newcastle fans thought, you know, as uh, Lee said, what on earth is Joe Linton doing in there? And and clearly it has worked massively for him there. So uh, some players do uh, end up in, uh, in in different positions and do sort of develop as players. And and, and maybe Jordan can do that, but uh, we will see. Here's an interesting question, Grace, uh, from Jamie. Hello, Jamie. Hey, Jamie. He's put, I never thought I'd ask this of a Palace team, but do we have too many ballers? <laughs> Again, I've said this word way too many times in this episode. Feel like we need another central defensive midfielder in there would mean one needs to drop to the bench. Grace, do we have too many ballers? Oh. She's muted know. herself. I don't know why I'm on mute. Um, <laughs> is is there such a thing as too many ballers after some of the stuff we've watched over the years? Um, I'm not too sure, but um, we do have quite a few I suppose, flair players in Eze, Elise, Wilf. Um, but they all, they on the majority of the time, they, they work hard as well, which sometimes gets overlooked. And I think, but for, obviously, MacArthur's been injured for the whole of this season, so we don't know how he would have mm-hmm. featured in amongst that with Decore, who would have dropped out for him. So Vieira's hand has almost been forced in that whilst we've got Hughes and Riedewald on the bench for whatever reason they're just not don't seem to be in favour um whether that's because of how they're performing or because of the formation that Vieira is going for um I think probably more a, a bit of both to be honest um but no I mean is it is it a bad thing to have too too many ballers um yeah time time will tell I think we've still got enough of the oh, I don't want to call any of them non non-ballers non-ballers which I'm not sure is a phrase there's a a Jack there was oh god there's a there's a football phrase that came up on a podcast recently I can't remember which one and it was I think it was someone like Sam Allardyce who used to like categorise his players into two categories you were either a piano player or a piano carrier and I can't remember which podcast I heard that on Um, and maybe the modern version is is ballers and non-ballers non-ballers and non-ballers look unless you're playing in the NFL or appears in an episode of Entourage. I, I can't say the word baller, so uh, I'm, I'm struggling with that one myself a bit. Uh, I, no, I, I, look, the answer from, for me is if you've sat and watched David Wright in your midfield for a number of years, like most of us did, you can enjoy the array of talent we have at the moment. If you've done your time, yeah. you know. Um, it, I get the question. You know, it's about balance. Um, and there are times when I think it's a little bit 
unbalanced in that midfield three with in the last two games where he's played Elise and, and Ebbs. And I think some, maybe, there just isn't enough ability in terms of tackling, I think, at times as well, which is situations like the one where Aronson broke through and got through. That starts because Ebbs tries to perform some sort of kung fu tackle really on him rather than trying to win the ball fairly and, and, he, and he lost that quite easily. Um, so there are elements of, of the balance in midfield which are concerning. However, I guess it's a game of, of whether Patrick Vieira thinks the, the risk in terms of the defensive responsibilities is outweighed by the pure majestic talent that's on the pitch and is going to win you games. And, and to be fair, we're talking after a game on Sunday when the majestic talent of one of these players we're talking about won us the game. So I, I think it's fair to, to to critique Patrick Vieira when it doesn't go right. But equally, you have to say he was brave. He went with what decision he went with. And actually, it, it did pay off handsomely on, on Sunday. But... It's it, for me again. It just highlights this point about the balance in, in terms of what's available, and um, I just don't think the the players that he would want to perhaps be playing in that higher up role that maybe Michael Lise is playing in right now um, are there. And the ideal one would be Jimmy Mack. I mean, the ideal one would be Jimmy Mack five years ago. That'd be insane if he was there. But the, the likelihood of seeing Jimmy Mack many times a season is, is quite small. Clearly, he's having issues of getting back to full fitness. Um, but no, in terms of the options, um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to play the risk as long as Patrick Vieira is happy to play the risk. If he carries on playing the risk and it starts to burn us, then obviously that is going to be an issue. Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, you're both right. You're both David, right? We, we have put in, <laughs> put in the hours and I think we should be allowed to watch these kind of players. The compromise is, of course, match winning moments will be traded off against slightly unbalanced midfields, yeah. slightly more maybe lightweight tackles and stuff. And teams, all teams across the country are always looking for a better balance and, and, and very few teams aside of Man City at the moment, maybe Arsenal uh, have it. And so you're always in search of that and we will be, but if, if in doing that search, it means we get more moments from Elise with the cross as with the goal, then I'm all for yeah. it because life is short. Premier League stints are short as well. And yeah, I think you have to enjoy Not it. Not this one, mate. Ten years. Not this one. Ten years and Not counting. But I think you have to enjoy it while you can. And we've always been a, a team that enjoys our tricky wingers, you know, going back to the, the 70s. And I think that's something we should be um, I think that's, that's a great point, actually. That's a really great point that when you associate Palace ballers, if we're going to use this phrase. <laughs> we are really, really going with that. Palace ballers. If you're going to use this phrase, we associate them with being on the wing, you know, chalk on the boots, giving it to the fullback to have them in the middle of the pitch as two playmakers essentially that is unusual even for a palace fan who's used to seeing you know incredibly talented players so yeah it's uh it's an interesting one it's going to take a bit of time to get used to and it will come with risks you know it, it's not beyond possibility that we will just be rolled over in some games if this is persisted with if Chet de Corre is easily managed by the opponents we could see teams steamrolling through that midfield um yeah until Jordan Ayew plays there week in week out and becomes <laughs> the world's greatest box to box midfielder. Watch this gonna, space. Watch this space. Happen. Yeah, watch this space. It's yeah. going to happen. Uh, guys, thanks very much. Great questions. Thank you very much uh, for those. Please do keep sending them. Sorry, we can't read them all out, but that's uh, lovely stuff. Um, after the break, uh, we're going to preview uh, potentially two games. When it comes to business travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Oh, sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold meetings or the Michelin dining or the innovative industries that'll make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insight said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at Orlando for Business Welcome back to the Fighter Plan Podcast. We sponsored by Eternity Home Finance, a family-run palace-supporting mortgage advisors, uh, and they're currently helping their customers keep their mortgages as cheap as possible in light of rising interest rates. So for a free consultation, email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Two games to preview this week. So we've got Leicester away at the weekend, early kickoff on the Saturday, and then Wolves at home. Tuesday night in a very 
quickly followed second game week. Uh, Jack, you just made a very, very prescient point in between uh, the parts that we're playing two teams, one that has no manager and one that might have no manager. So are these good times to play these teams or is that just another cliche of falling into? I, I never know whether it's a good time to play any team, but I'm surprised that Brendan Rodgers is still in his, in his post. So either they're going to, yeah, either fight for him or they're not. That you know the the great win against Forest the the week before last you thought would you know instill some fight in them and then they go to Bournemouth and stick the place out having led so they're in a really weird place um, that group of players is far more talented than what they're showing um, and I I really don't know what we're going to see from them on on Saturday um, I'm hoping in with the you know the the wind in our sails after Sunday um, that we'll be able to go there and, and give our best and I think our best on current form of both teams, uh, particularly Leicester's, we'll probably see us get something from the game. I really hope it's it's a game that we aim to win. Um, but I think we do need to be cautious because they've got some lovely players. James Madison, you know, you've only got to to see his stats for the last, uh, or the start of this season and the last half of last season. He's about as good as it gets for a number 10 in the Premier League. So they have got talent, um, but defensively they're a bit of a shambles. So I'm hoping uh, Wilf, Eze, Elise, Jordan Ayew, Edouard, whoever it is, can can make the moments that we get, the chances that we get, make them, take them, and um, hopefully we come away from Leicester with, with points. Yeah, they are a funny old team at the moment, Grace, aren't they? Because as Jack says, they've got so much quality in there. And James Madison, how he didn't get picked for the recent England internationals, I don't know, because he's the best player, I think, at the moment in that position, certainly who is English. Um but they are weirdly sort of lacking confidence. And yeah, their defence is a mess. Their goalkeeper is a complete shambles. So it's one of those games you'd love to see Palace kind of fly out the blocks and take something to them. But it feels like recently our, our former, um, I about to say the Walker's Bowl. It's not the Walker's Bowl anymore, is it? It's the, um, it was ever called the Walker's Bowl. It was, wasn't it? Oh <laughs> it's my the Walker's State. Yes. King Power. The King, King Power. Power. Oh, my God. Was it not the Walker's Bowl? Have I made that up? I may have Not the Bowl. I think you've combined Walker's Stadium and Milton Keynes Bowl somehow. But... <laughs> Well, maybe I just really want to eat some crisps. So I'm just distracted. I'm not dinner yet. You're hungry. Um, we should be recording pods in the evening. Dangerous. Um, it's a funny one. I, I always get a bit... We had a really good run at Leicester. And recently, we haven't been so much. I get a bit jittery. But actually, form tables suggest this should be one to really target three points. Yeah, it should be. They are they are a funny one in that we have some we either seem to do really well against them. I know we've had a couple of sort of three, four, five, well, only one five, but goals against them over the last few years, or we don't play as well and maybe lose one nil or two one seems to be the general consensus when we go there. But yeah, they are in a bit of a, a strange position and I think um a bit surprised maybe that Brendan Rodgers hadn't been shown the door yet. Um, I did do agree with Jack that I, I thought the Forest game might be the opportunity for them to sort of turn it around and then get some momentum going. But for whatever reason, they didn't against Bournemouth, which leaves them in a bit of a bit of a strange place coming into this Saturday's game that um, they seem to have been losing. I don't know whether it's losing someone who's such an important figure to that club as Schmeichel was for so many years. Yeah. Um, the disruption that that might have caused um, and then having a new keeper who, um, yeah, I'm sure Wayne Hennessy was probably worried about his chances of getting into a World Cup squad with another Welsh player actually playing. But I think him playing has done Hennessy's chances. <laughs> the world is good and he continues to be number one. Um, but yeah, so hopefully we can go go for it, go at them. Um, but like Jack said, Madison is always capable of that bit of quality that that comes out of nowhere sometimes that, that can, can win a game easily. Um, so it depends which version of Leicester turns up. Hopefully it's the one that's been here for the majority of the season and not the ones against Forest. It, it does say a lot that Wayne Hennessy has over 100 Wales caps. And now I think we're seeing how on earth this has happened. Now, now you know why. <laughs> and, and you're seeing... You know, a generation after Neville Southall, who at one stage was perhaps the greatest goalkeeper on the planet at, at his peak. And <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's incredible. But anyway, as the more we talk about it, the more we're cementing a man of the match performance by Danny Ward on Saturday lunchtime. But yeah, I, I think it's interesting one about Rogers. I think he's on a massive contract and it might be that they need to get to a point where there really is no sign of any return before they press the button because the amount of money it's going to cost Leicester to 
to sack him. But yeah, they should be far more comfortable than they are at the moment. It's um, ridiculous that they're as low down the table. And it's funny how football can change so quickly, can't it? Because I mean, it wasn't long ago that they were battling. They were in place for a Champions League finish at one point and sort of fell away. Won the FA Cup the season before last. Like, yeah. You know, they're, they're in a really fantastic part of their club's history. And yeah. they've just started this season like a stone. And yeah. It shows, I mean, shows how easily it can happen. You know, it's a warning to all of us, really, because they were, you know, from the outside in a very strong position, had a very, very poor window, made one outfield well, signing. So it's a great point by Grace about Schmeichel in that yeah. that was a big statement. You know, you, Grace made the point about dropping a goalkeeper is is a nuclear option. Well, dropping your goalkeeper and your club captain to the point where you sell him for peanuts, that is about as, you know, monumental a decision a manager can make, and it has not paid off. Um, and that was uh, by, by all accounts. Roger's decision. That was him saying it's it's time yeah. for you to go. Um Weird Pard- powers, Pardew, power Ma- Murray, yeah. Yedinak yeah, vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Power struggle in there yeah. of some sort. So very interesting. Um, yeah. but let's hope we are the benefactors um of benefactors? The benefit get the beneficiaries. Right. Benefit thank you, thank you. Benefactors sounds like yeah, we've contributed to the we've building contrib- of a new hospital or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I need to go and have some dinner. Um, let's move on then to, uh, you know, from a team that might not have a manager come uh, Saturday evening to a team who might have one. Who knows? Wolves. Uh, we've been looking, Grace, at the uh, potential managers list. Would you like to do the honours and read out the favourite's name? Because I'm probably going to... My Spanish is not great, so I'm going to butcher the poor man's name. But Yulen Lopetegui... Sorry, how I've just pronounced your name, if you're listening. He and Joey Barton listen together, I believe, so fair enough. Uh, I said beautifully done, um, much better than I would have done. And um, again, it's a funny one, isn't it, when teams haven't got a manager. Do you want to go and play them at that time? Are they rallying behind the second-in-command and the, the caretaker? They they do seem to also, like Leicester, be in a funny situation at the moment. Um struggling they brought in Diego Costa up front which I think seems like a bit of a desperation move not the player he was okay now he's odds on to score two he's odds on to score. we yeah, haven't fantastic. got Damien Delaney unfortunately to mark him out of the game <laughs> um but what are we expecting from this uh from this Wolves game on Tuesday night then Grace I don't know again I think it will be a tricky one where if, whether they've got a manager in post by then or not I mean what's that a week today so they'd have to be acting pretty sharpish if if they were um or otherwise it'll be I don't know who's their who's their caretaker at the moment. A couple of guys from their youth set up Steve Davis and someone else. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> I did know that because I saw Steve Davis the other day. So that they were they were scared of Diego Costa in training. So um, well, we'll we're see. going well there then. Bring to the game in terms of like you said, we've not got Delaney to um, front up to him this time round. Um, that could be quite yeah. Not sure how Anderson would fare in in that in that respect but maybe we'll see um well, it would be beauty in the beast though wouldn't it really <laughs> bloody hell well he did a good he did a good job on Nunes didn't he uh, um, at Anfield in the season. so yeah. if we can get on the wrong side of Costa yeah but I, I don't think Anderson would be standing up afterwards I think he'd be, have to be wheeled out or something <laughs> be a proper headbutt this time yeah yeah prop- call that a headbutt <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it'll it'll be interesting to see. Particularly, I don't know who they've got at the weekend. Forest at home. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So if they manage to get something there, then maybe they might be on on that bit of momentum. And Tuesday night games, when everyone's had a full fixture list at the weekend as well, is always a, a bit of a lottery. Sometimes, well, I think. It, it, this, I mean, this is a, where we are at the start of the season. If we lose to Leicester and Wolves beat Forest, we go into the game on Tuesday night level on points. So, you know, it, it's uh, it's an interesting time of season. You can really accentuate that gap at this time of the season, or you can really find yourself stuck in stuck in there. And, and as we've said throughout this pod, you know, that's how important a win Sunday was. But now we need to build on that and, and need to take wins from these games against teams that, you know, let, let's be honest, they're in these situations with their managers because they're bang out of form and, and have been really having a shocking start to the season so we'd have to hope that their shocking starts the season continue because of the performances that we put in that's 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 really the deal that Vieira and, and the gang have got to put together do we think Jack we might see much rotation on Tuesday night I, I'm thinking possibly not only because a lot of our squad are quite young and you know when when players are older they can't do these two games in a week but we have quite a sort of young batch so I'm thinking I know we've got, probably see the five subs come out at Leicester at the weekend to keep people fresh, but I'm not imagining much rotation Tuesday night. Maybe that part of the pitch we just talked about, maybe you might see 
Uh, Will Hughes get a start, possibly Luca start at the base with Decore maybe pushing a bit higher up. But we haven't really got the options elsewhere in the pitch. Oh, yeah, I don't think Edward's done um, anything to warrant a rotation. He's he's clearly in a good place at the moment. So to to drop him for rotation's sake seems a bit of a, a stupid move. So I hope that wouldn't happen. But no, I think we'll see pretty much the same team we saw start on Sunday um, across those those two forthcoming games too. Um, those players were good enough to get a win on, on Sunday. Um, so hopefully they can take the confidence from that and and build on it. But yeah, it's um, it's a it's a tricky two set of games because the speed at which they come, you know, Saturday. In fact, thankfully we're playing early Saturday um, and playing quite late on Tuesday. So in terms of turnaround, it's about as good as you get in such a situation. Um, but yeah, just just hoping we can take some points from this and, and build on it and and maybe stay further away from the relegation zone. Even if we were to drop in it, I still wouldn't be panic. I still wouldn't be panicked that we're going to, you know, be facing relegation. But the longer you do end up around there, the number of games seems to pass you by. And before you know it, you've played sixteen games in the World Cups here, and you've got six weeks to stew on being sixteenth or seventeenth. Yeah, quite. I mean, like we said at the start, right at the start of the pod, I don't want to label these as you know must win games and that kind of thing, but. They, it would be two very nice wins if we could, or, or, or you know, four points. Be I think four helpful. points. I think if we were able to take a point away from Leicester and a win at home to Wolves, that'd be a really good return. Seven points from these three games would be would be a very good turnaround. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, fingers crossed. We'll be back next week, of course, to review um, those games. Hopefully, in a in a good mood. But guys, thanks for joining us. Grace, great to have you back on. And uh, I'm sure we'll see you on uh, I don't know match of the day soccer AM Sky Sports in uh, next, next week maybe just strictly come dancing strictly. dancing on ice. My agent will be in yeah. touch. Yeah, exactly. Okay, good, good. Looking forward to. It. Can't, can't believe we got hold of her tonight. Unbelievable. I know, I know. I know. Top of the booking list. Um, uh, uh, Jack, um, she's back on us next week. I guess. No, strictly booking. <laughs> yeah, for you, I'll just stay on the call. Just, just come back on the call. Okay. Um, and, and JD, hope all goes well. And and on time. So thank you, thank have you. Yeah. All listeners' best wishes to you. Thank and the you very much. I'll keep people updated. But yeah, I appreciate it. Lots of people have been sending well wishes, and I do appreciate it. So uh, yeah, we'll let people know when the next Palace fan uh, has arrived. Uh, do we but... still have that agreement that if you're unable to do it, I just talk about Joel Ward for seventy five minutes? Is that what we do in kind yeah. of cl- yeah, perfect? Again, another spin off episode for the World Cup. I can see the patrons dropping off as <laughs> we go. <Yeah. laughs> Uh, right thanks very much everyone thanks to our patrons of course Uh, look after yourselves during the week and we'll see you again next week Uh, take care goodbye Sports Social Podcast Network